beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. back to the podcast my name is robert my name is sam and i'm trey (laughs) and we're the three black men hey we (laughs) are excited a little bit silly uh per usual just Um, a little bit just a little bit (laughs) we have a special guest y'all know we only have the best guests on three yes Um, (laughs) (laughs) truly uh they're always hitters um uh, Rabbi Danya, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. I am <laughs> so excited to be here. Yeah. We're I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm the most, like, it's not a competition or nothing, but I feel like I'm the most excited right now. Like, I, out of everybody <laughs> on here, I feel like I don't like know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how you're quantifying that, brother, but uh, bless you. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're here to talk about Rabbi Danya's book on repentance and repair making amends in an unapologetic world yes and yes look samuel i want to say as we jump into this uh conversation that uh one day sam Sam jumped into the group chat hey do y'all know (laughs) rabbi danya in this book on repentance and repair like yes brother we're reading it and it became this this moment of all of us just going back and forth on this book and then started the talks of you know we should reach out and ask if she'd be on the podcast (laughs) and here we are all these weeks (laughs) months later um so sam the lesson all the podcast shoot shoot your shot just shoot your shot sorry for real (laughs) man (laughs) <laughs> Shoot your shot. So Sam, go ahead with go ahead with the first question. Yeah. So Rabbi Danya, wait. Um, yeah, okay. So this book um has so many and there's in so many different areas. I think it speaks to so many different things that um whether you are a Christian or Jewish or um just a human being that deals with trauma, anybody can get something from this book, especially with forgiveness. Um, I think that's probably where I got the most from it. Um, a couple times you talked about in there, or you mentioned in there where forgiveness is not required, right? It's not a necessity for healing. It's not, you don't have to necessarily forgive. Um, and for me to hear that, to read that was very freeing. Um, and I think help really, help really helped me to make strides uh, in my, in in my healing process. Um, so just for, for people, I would love for all of our listeners to grab this book and check it out and get, get one as a gift for somebody else. Um, but for people who may not read this book, um, can you just talk a little bit about, um, I guess the importance of letting go of the idea that forgiveness is necessary? Mm, Yes. It's pleasure. So I I guess the starting point for this book is that I'm taking Jewish ideas about 
The translation is repentance, but it's a Hebrew word that is about kind of coming back, tshuva, like coming back from where you were supposed to be before you screwed up. And um, in my tradition, the emphasis it, when harm happens is on uh, sort of the whole community coming together to, towards the perpetrator and saying, clean up your your act like get it together clean up your business um you the work is on you to uh own the harm that you caused you know do the work to try to become the person who isn't causing the harm anymore and stop making future victims and do everything to take care of and attend to the person that you hurt and in in american society uh, you know, and I think there are threads in 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 various parts of of Christian culture. Um, I don't want to make any sweeping generalizations. Where forgiveness is is very very heavily emphasized, that when harm happens, you know, we say, okay, well, you have to forgive. Forgiveness is the virtue, and we forget to ask anything of, of the harm doer. Um, and when that happens, it's a really good way to reinscribe existing power structures, mm. right? If harm happens across lines of, of power, you know, it's a great way to say, oh, well, you know, oh, I forgive them. Great. Everything can go exactly to how it was. And the, no change necessary. No change necessary. We can keep things exact. It's it's like an absolution. Um, and for us, the emphasis is on the harm doer taking accountability and for us, the victim's process is a totally separate track and you can take total accountability and do all of the work and you have to ask, you know, you have to ask for forgiveness towards the end of the process, not right at the beginning before you've really gotten the memo, but towards the end. And you have to go back and ask a few times and try to really get land that apology, but the phrase like you have to forgive me because otherwise I can't go ask God for forgiveness on Yom Kippur doesn't exist in Judaism. Like if, even if they're never forgiven, they can go complete their repentance process. So then we look over at the person who was harmed and we say, you get to do your healing at, in your way on your terms. And we yeah. have all this, we have this text that like bottom line, how I read it is like if you were harmed in a way that was uh, irreparable, that's like traumatic, that can never, you know, it's like if if I steal from you, I pay you the money back. Maybe I pay you for damages. We're good, right? right you right. know, I <laughs> I got to be sincere, <laughs> but like, I, you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a return for that. But if they're you're harmed in a way that can never truly be really healed, mm. you you never have to forgive. You might. It might come up organically in your process, but there's no obligation. Mm -hmm. And when we stop putting that labor on people who were harmed, I, we can actually let people heal maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious as somebody who's sat with or, or tried to make a commitment to sitting with and, and under the thinking of a lot of, of, of Jewish leaders and thinkers um, who help me to more fully understand some of like our sacred texts and traditions here in the Christian world. I'm curious if you could um, share some thoughts on when did you recognize or suspect that uh, Maimonides and his teaching in this particular 
avenue here had something to share with the greater world, like even outside of Judaism? Uh, me too. <laughs> That's a very easy answer. <laughs> you preach. This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's out of the park. I, I mean, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about, like, I always liked his stuff. I always, I'm, you know, it's, it's, this this particular stuff around repentance, I would like tend to teach every year, every other year. You know what I mean? You have your like stuff that you like that you come back to. But yeah. um, then me too hit. And this question of like these these terrible dudes who have come up with their terrible, you know, apologies, like, yeah, I did it, but it's gonna be really hard for me personally. And you know, I did yeah. it, but what's what about my career? You know, um, right. what do we do with yeah. them? Like now what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And somebody asked me for something they were writing, and I sort of sent them some paragraphs and then threw them on Twitter of like, how would we know if, like, if Louis C.K. decided to wake up one day and actually do the work, please God, speedily in on our days. Um, <laughs> not holding my breath, but. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, someday that you know what how would we know and what would we know to look for and so right. i use maimonides stuff as a guy like well if there was real transformation then probably this and that and this and i popped it on twitter because somebody had asked me and people were like oh <laughs> and then they started asking me questions and then well what about this well what about this and it was actually the year before maybe it was a year or two before after i read tinahasi Coates's the case for reparations okay. and I started thinking about, because he started about Germany's work on reparations. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we could use the Chuva process, Chuva model to think about um, Chuva for white supremacy, right? And and uh, yeah. think about reparations. And so I start, I wrote like one op-ed and I kind of forgot about it. And then Me Too came and I was like, okay, we're going to have to open this box and see what else is in here. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love that. I think you know, even that concentration on the repair portion of it uh, is so helpful and healing. To, uh, Sam uh, pointed that out earlier. Um, you kind of segued yourself um, <laughs> because I want to get into the chapter three, harm in the public square or accountable to whom. Um, yeah, I want to rest here, abide here for a while. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's a whole lot of shenanigans in the world today. Um, so let me let's just read up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, we we black, so we've got endless <laughs> thoughts. We we'll get a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Bring it. We'll be all night. Okay, yeah, I need uh, that. Yeah, this is. <laughs> grab your coffee. Tell me what you're thinking. Yes. Okay, so first, I want to read this quote that sets things off beautifully on page 75 you're right when offenses are revealed in the public sphere a video gone viral a celebrity news item a politician's misdeeds uncovered what does the path to repentance demand does the perpetrator of harm have to account for the millions of eyes and ears taking in their actions and if so in what way we, the witnesses, are not necessarily the direct recipients of hurt, but we're impacted. Our, our whole culture is. And so, yeah, I'm just curious. Um, talk to us about, like, harm in the public square. I think what you uh, uh, really highlight is there are 
there is the victim, the initial victim of the impact in the public square, but we all are these bystanders. And in this age, everyone has a, um, an opinion, right? You might, somebody might say this racial slur and uh, you have multiple people, not even in that community who say, we forgive you. Um, and so I'm just, you know, I think of Kyrie Irving, I'm just gonna be very blunt. He said a whole lot of things that were anti-Semitic. He lifted up a resource that was anti-Semitic. Black people, my people jumped in. We forgive you, brother. You're, you're good. Your repentance is good. How? You know, so. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, thoughts. I I mean, I'm curious for, for y'all's thoughts. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I want this to be a conversation, um, mm. but. I, yeah, I, yeah, come on! I'm not, I'm not coming on here not to hear what you think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not how this is gonna go. But um, I, right, like the, the the whole question of who gets to decide. Yes. Where right? Um, because there are lay and there are layers of harm when you think mm -hmm. about uh, someone committing harm against an entire community. Right? You say something anti-Semitic that is impacting millions of people it's like there who's like i although there are a number of of individuals who consider themselves like the you know the grand pope of the jews there is in fact not a grand pope of the jews um <laughs> you know <laughs> sorry, sorry to bibi netanyahu and a handful of um Camille professionals, Jewish yeah. professionals that I will not name. Um, we don't end up on the list. Yeah, nobody is, nobody is the grand. So like nobody gets to 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 forgive on behalf of the Jewish people because like you don't represent me. You don't represent me, right? Right, right. It, you know, whereas you have something like, uh, I don't know, Louis C.K., who uh, both hurt individual women and impacted rape culture for our whole culture. So... Mm. that's you know what I mean so like his like there are actually people who could for, forgive him who are actually specific victims even though there's this larger cultural impact but we're also hurt so then you know but he's not you know man you know it's it's you write something on your note apps and your app notes app and you put it on Instagram is not exactly <laughs> like that that is not the work of chuva so yeah mm, not an apology I don't know what do you guys yeah, think? I think I'll say this I think what's hard like if we use Kyrie for example mm -hmm. there is this need this knee-jerk reaction to defend someone of the community against cancel culture right what you talk about in this chapter mm -hmm. and it's he didn't mean it he's sorry right and so then we take the place of the injured party we're not we are not injured at all actually we're like we know him we can vouch for him even though i don't, I don't, i've never met that man in my life. <laughs> you know so that's the only thing i would add what do you think fellas yeah i think um i think it's difficult i um I I don't it I think the different I think Kyrie and like Louis CK are kind of like two different even though they both like said did some really harmful stuff I think they're a little different and this is just just my opinion and I will only say that because I don't think Kyrie 
I don't think his intention was, I think mm-hmm. he was, he said anti-Semitic things out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Good, good, and, good, good refining. And, yes. And, and yeah. so with that, I understand the idea of like, yo, I live in America. I was not taught my history. So I'm struggling right. to find granted. He gravitated towards some really dangerous things. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, well, who do you have around you and how do you know, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, that, so, so for, I don't, I don't think I have anything necessarily to forgive. Um, just, but I'm just, I'm cautious to make that distinct. Like if I hear the discussion going on, like I'm cautious, just kind of just being honest. I try not, I don't let white people drag black people in public too much. (laughs) Like just being honest, I would be like, "Mm, okay, like I'm, I hear me out. Right. Cause this is something you need to consider. Don't strip him of his humanity because this was out of ignorance, right? right? Like this can be corrected. This yeah, can be, this is just teaching. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of where I fell on the issue for the simple fact that I recognized outright, like the moment I, full disclosure here, I, I followed this at a different level than a lot of people because I am also a Brooklyn Nets fan. So I had a vested interest in what was going Ooh, on here. Um, it, was, it was getting real ugly on, on court, but that, uh, I'm, I'm, half in jest that's not really what matters here but at the same time like i recognized like as you said sam he was speaking out of ignorance and there's a place there where um even we mentioned how you don't even have to be the direct target to to recognize and feel the the effects of harm right because mm-hmm. remember we had uh dr olajita bamashik been on the podcast a while back and he talked about this concept of linked fate and that that's a bi-directional kind of thing here right so there's times when you see somebody harmed, like one of the reasons I, I haven't watched um, the, the the Tyree Nichols video, I, I won't because I, I don't feel that's going to be good. Like I recognize how that would impact me in a very way because there's, there's a linked fate issue there. And then what happens is we have people rushing to defend Kyrie because like, wait, no, like I, um, there, there's, there's a part of me, particularly as a practitioner of religion in black spaces where I recognize what is attractive about the black Hebrew Israelite ideologies. Not that I ascribe like fact to, to, to what they're saying, but I recognize there that black people are looking for identity and something to, to yeah. give them a source of pride. And I recognize that in doing so, they are robbing another people of their own mm-hmm. story and, and self-determination there. Nice. Um, so yeah. I can- Yeah, and you ain't gotta do that. <laughs> right, right, we, we, we don't have to do that. Um, so in that particular, like you said, Sam, I think it's a different situation because I don't think the intent was there, but mm-hmm. impact is often greater than intent. So we can sit there and 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 try to educate them, but then we have other situations where somebody like, no, that's wrong, and you knew that was wrong, and you continue to to double down on the wrong. Um, and and those are interesting things as to how like we demand for forgiveness of people in the face of wait, no, there was an intentional harm there done over an extended mm-hmm. period of time. Like you, you don't get to push me. Or tell can me I, when I have to Can it. I be honest that I think when I hear they didn't mean to do it, I, I do have a reaction in my body. So I will just say mm-hmm. part of me is triggered by hearing that because of abuse, right? Uh, that's impersonal, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the part that is hard for me is when someone of any uh, type of, has any type of power and, and influence when they don't know and they harm out of ignorance and it's clear out of ignorance 
the impact to to Trey's point is the same, right? Like whether they were intentionally inflicting harm or mm-hmm. miseducating people. The thing about Kyrie, this wasn't his first rodeo. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was he'd been riding this. Mi- and so I, th- you know, he'd been riding this miseducation of Kyrie Irving for a while. Yeah, he, um, he did the whole flatter so, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's been doing a lot. <laughs> I think when I hear people, I didn't know your impact really can wound people. It can incite violence, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so that, so again, we're talking about Hartman, the public square. I like mm-hmm. that the the concentration is on um, looking at this broader issue of what is happening to the, the uh, initial victims and, you know, what's left in the wake. Um, Before Sam, Rob, and myself were podcast co-hosts, we were friends. This podcast grew out of a friendship. And honestly, it's grown into something more of a podcast. It's now a community. You can take part in that community at patreon.com slash three black men, all the way spelled out. And in that community, you'll get early access to episodes, bonus content like writings, videos, even some live conversations that you can take part in. In the event that you'd like to support us but aren't ready to commit to Patreon yet, you can submit a one-time gift via PayPal where you'll find us at 3blackmenpodcast at gmail.com. However you choose to support, we're thankful that you did. Let's get back to the show. It's, I mean, it's so, compl- it's so complicated and so nuanced mm-hmm. because I mean, I, I gravitated towards Louis CK because it's just, uh, he's <laughs> That's clear. You know, what my favorite <laughs> yeah. of, those du- of those dudes to hate. And it's, <laughs> it's an example of like specific victims and cultural impact. Right, but right, the, right. the, the, I mean, the, the ways in which um, black men who say anti-Semitic things are held to a wildly different s- standard than every single one of the white supremacists in mm. political office who say and flash anti-Semitism on a regular basis is like there's no there's no question right and so you know there is there is that right like who's being held to what standard and who's being whose harm is named mm. whose harm is being called to account and why right and that all matters um but i think at the end of the day like isn't it when when no matter who if we say you caused harm your reaction is what matters right and, and i always my my favorite one of my favorite examples for this is lizzo Right. Like she had this song that had an ableist slur and it came out and the disability community went like, boom. And she, within 24 hours, had the song re-recorded or re-whatever with that word out and this beautiful, heartfelt, like, I know I I never, ever want to hurt anybody. And I'm so sorry. And I'm so grateful that you taught me. And here's the new song. And I, you know so much you know this outpouring of love and it was just such a model of obviously i'm not here to 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 hurt and i mean anti-semitism is so hard because these conspiracy theories have been in everybody's orange juice since forever yeah right and anti-semitism is the punchline of every conspiracy theory in this country and um the ways, the, the the complexities of sort of Jewish identity and white supremacy and the ways in which anti-Semitic conspiracy theories happen to 
uh, map beautifully onto Jewish assimilation into whiteness in America in a Can way that like, it, you know, like <laughs> when when we were running from pogroms and they're like, Jews have all the power. And we're like, can you mean, stop chasing us from town to town for a minute? You know, like, can you, can you see how ridiculous <laughs> this is? Um, you know, it's one thing, but here um, the conspiracy theories, you know, thank you, Henry Ford, we're living on. Yeah. As we're like, hey, like the irony, the irony, like there was so much Jewish black solidarity from like the beginning of the 20th century through World War II, right? We're going to fight the, the black Americans were the ones who helped get us into World War II. We were going to fight the war abroad. And then there was an understanding we were then going to come home and fight the war at home, which was civil rights, right? Mm -hmm. And then the the Civil Rights Act passed, and that was like the final nail of the coffin for Jews to be able to assimilate into whiteness because it also protected us from creed, mm -hmm. from discrimination for creed, and so all this other systemic stuff. And so we're, you know, we're off sailing, and so bleh, it's wow. a mess. But um, did, wow, little That's side, maybe. little side rant, but um. Yeah, I had That's a different. I had a question, uh, but one thing on that, I'll say, no, I no. What I love about that is I think about that because I feel like there is animosity a lot of times between Jewish people and Black people that hasn't historically mm. been there, and I feel that you know, like there's a energy around this division uh, between our us, and I hate that, right? Like I, you know, I've even reached out to you, like yo, there is something in this air uh, dividing us mm -hmm. um, where we're both trying to cl climb to the top of this mountain of resources. Um, and I hate that. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, my my question was going to be on call out culture and calling in culture and the differences that you see in between. But I, I had to hit that uh, division part too. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know, calling in culture, I think most cultures have some form of that, right? That like when you're in community and the ways that you, and whether it's you don't air the, the community's dirty laundry, so I'm going to call you here so we don't get that out there, right? Or whether it's, uh, this is, you know, I, I'm going to respect you and so I'm going to make sure that you pull it together now, and if you don't pull it together, then then we will deal with it out there, right? Um, but that's that sense of of intercommunal. We're all taking care of each other, and I feel like call out culture often happens across lines of power, right? And it's the way that if, like, particularly when people who are, you know, historically or or currently or whatever you know have less st structural power it's a be it's a way to be truth to power right like this you know thank you twitter like suddenly we can all have the same handles as uh, you know the apartheid boy with the who owns it or whatever about the notions of accountability and mm. the who people feel accountable to right like there's always this notion particularly yeah. among marginalized groups where if we step out of line it will reflect poorly upon us mm -hmm. right that, that same linked mm -hmm. fate, uh situation which yep. from my observation like 
I don't find too many people in non-marginalized like groups with that same burden, right? Like I, I don't see too many white dudes being like, oh man, I can't say that. It's gonna make white dudes look bad. Like, um, you're right. And, Cause they be saying whatever it is comes to yeah. them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's an interesting thing there because like you said, when the calling out happens across lines of power, so consistently because when there's certain people i'm like no I, I will i will never be accountable to you because i, I don't know who you're accountable to right mm-hmm. there's, there's there's lots of people oh, yeah, you can call me out because i i know that you have somebody to do the same for you right mm-hmm. um and <laughs> there's, there's there's this this paradigm in which some people feel authorized and entitled to police others where there's nobody who's able to police them Mm. I feel as though there is a word for that when you have the power <laughs> to police others <laughs> with, without any reciprocal uh, power. I, I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's escaping me at the moment. <laughs> Might I'm sorry. start with a W and end with a supremacy. <laughs> that seems familiar. <laughs> you got to go to the wheel of fortune for the, yeah. for the missing yeah. letters. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah um that that's interesting because for me i try for several different reasons um i try to really govern my interactions in public spaces um particularly for one i know i'm still healing through things right i'm still there's still um junk i'm cleaning out yes um and there in in that just in observing i recognize like wait that's not ethically you know what i'm saying that's that's a little anti-semitic let me let's clean this up let's do a little research in this area you know like i find different things um and i i used to be one of those people like anytime i'm reading something or you know, learning something you know about it because I'm tweeting everything. I'm like, but I had to stop because I realized I was all over. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a Kyrie. <laughs> I guess we have a name for that. Now. I didn't want to do that. Um, uh, specific because like we have this, I love doing this with my brothers and, you know, also I have a family, right? Uh, so I just, I don't know, I guess I, I struggle with where people find really the confidence <laughs> um, to really uh, be so bold in areas to where they feel like, like what Trey was saying, like, oh, well, I'm not accountable and you can, you know what I'm saying? But I guess that's just not a part of our my history. <laughs> yeah, I think, that, that I, is, I think that speaks to a larger cultural problem we have here, like particularly mm-hmm. in the United States where we're the world's police, but nobody has the power to police us. Yes. Um, and, and there's this thing here where, um, Rabbi, you spoke on like national repentance and, and when a nation itself has harmed people. And I keep on thinking about the fact that like, um, I'm, I'm never going to stop ringing the bell, but black people in this country will probably never get reparations. Like that, that, that'll never happen. And I, I sit there wrestling with the fact that if America were to do even the first couple steps, the first, the first one step of repentance, as you outlined in this book, then I feel as though there's this fear, this unspoken fear in America that we lose the right to call ourselves exceptional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> should we do that? Should, should we own 
the things that we've done there. Um, mm-hmm. could, could, could you speak to whether or not like that, that's a legitimate fear that you're sensing um, that, that, that prevents some people from doing this work, like the loss of perception, self-perception even? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's true. And I think, you know, I, I think on some deep level, uh, you know, when you force the, the harmed party to do the forgiving, then you get to keep the status quo, right? Um, you know, right? Like you, you, if you tell the, the uh, person in the abusive relationship that they should just forgive, like everything goes back to normal, you know, whatever, we get the pastor gets to keep their job or the rabbi gets to keep their job or, you know, right? Like, ugh. and I keep thinking about the 1619 project as the invitation to the confession stage of repentance, wow. right? I mean, it was not the confession stage, right? That that is right. on the harming party, right? That that is that is on right. the U.S. government and or United States culture, however we want to, whoever we're going to call that, right? That's on, right. on on white America, and but but that was, I mean, if there's ever an invitation to do the work, like, hi, here are some receipts. <laughs> Perhaps you would like Ooh. to look at this, and yeah. America took a look at this and said, no, thank you. Mm. Actually, you know, well, we're going to ban this in 36 states and, you know, go harder mm. and harder on black history than we ever have. Like, listen, I live in Florida. Oh, God. Oh, so God. I, I, I completely understand. And it, it's so crazy because when you look at America's history and like all. All of the uh countries that we've destabilized or went to war with or done irreparable stuff to their people i feel like we're the black folks are the only ones that haven't gotten any sort of reparation like they gave slave owners <laughs> reparations oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right like they they figured we need to make this right and even thought it was cool like to like say like no haiti needs to pay reparations to france and we're gonna uh make sure that those transactions go through so they're gonna pay us and we're gonna pay for it you know like but yeah but there we can't even get like an admittance like nah this 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 was bad we shouldn't have, and it's it's frustrating because um we 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 tend to as americans be so arrogant and be so flippant and 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 make the call that this is a christian nation and that we were built on christian principles or biblical principles but we can't even get forgiveness and 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 retribution right we can't even get justice right we can't get those right and those are essential to our faith yeah i'm thinking about this accountability piece and the fear piece right i that uh trey brought up and i think about the overwhelming fear that uh the majority in this country have when we talk about making things right this work of repair and repentance you know and you know people ask this question you know if we stop uh like if we start giving out reparations you know then everyone's going to want them sure <laughs> like you know and it's the same you know everyone wants to make a livable wage <laughs> you know I, oh my god right sounds awesome sounds lit i then think they're gonna about want clean water the, yeah everyone's gonna want to be taken care of yes i think about at the beginning of the pandemic 
in how people started tearing down Confederate monuments and monuments to hate. And people, you know, there was this overwhelming fear that especially white men started naming that if we tear down all these racist statues, you just going to want to tear them down throughout the whole country? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if we give you, idea. like, if we give you $15 an hour, it what's next? And so I think there is $15. this fear, you know, right? Like, how much is too much? Mm. And I would love for you, you know, you to speak to that, Rabbi Daniel, like in this work of repair, how much is too much? Because that's what people are asking. Like, how much should I repair? Like, what's the minimum level I can get in? <laughs> that's the thing is, if you mean it, if you mean it, if you say I cause harm and that, and you actually get that you caused harm, and you get that that's a big deal and that it's not just an inc personal inconvenience to you, but that there's actually somebody hurt and that that impact matters. And you start to figure out how to take responsibility. And then like step two, right? Transformation, starting to become the person who doesn't do the thing again, right? And then cleaning up your mess and then, right? And then the last step is, you know, and then apology. And then the last step is you, you don't um, do the thing again. If you mean it, it is deep, 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 profound spiritual work, right? If we're talking about on the individual level, like I have now made this my spiritual, like us deep spiritual practice of mine. And it is, it's heavy stuff and it is not always fun. And it's, it's game changing. But if you think about it on the national level, like I, I do not have reassuring words for the white supremacists on this because my vision is like, uh, if we hand out what reparations as a one-time check and we return to being a white supremacist country, then we have not done the work. Like if we have not changed systems and we go back to, you know, ex everything is exactly how it, how it has been, then that is not repentance work, right? If we land at step five and we're still white supremacist country, then whoops, didn't do it. Yeah. So one of the themes that we've been honing in on or the guiding theme for, for this particular season of this podcast has been liberation. Mm. So as you talk about these steps, particularly like the, the steps of transformation and then not doing the thing again, I, I sit here thinking about the fact that not doing the work of repentance is not only harming the person or the people that you perpetuated the harm against, but that you are actually robbing yourself of an opportunity to become uh, a more whole being, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and I'm sitting with the fact that, like, and even even on a personal note, there there are certain like ghosts that haunt me everywhere, like things that I've that I've done in in my past. I'm, I'm a different person, it almost feels like did those things, but um almost feeling like I'll spend the rest of my life working to, to, to not do those things. But even in doing so, it, it's a freeing sort of feeling. And I'm thinking about the fact that like some people view repentance or, or, or reparation that doing that work of repair as a chore, something we do for somebody else. When honestly, I think there's uh, 
when you look, look at it as a spiritual task, right? Not necessarily as a material one, but um, there, there is a, a self-interest in doing this work almost yeah. um, that, that I can't be who I am supposed to be without making sure that I've set things right, that I'm robbing myself. This, um, that sound like something <laughs> that, that is in line with what Maimonides had in, in mind with all of this work of repentance? I mean, you know, I, I cannot speak to him because um, he was talking on the individual level and, um, you know, there's a, at a certain point, I'm like, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to now leave the 12th century and come back to 2023, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was great. He was the physician to the Sultan. It's not like he didn't know from interfaith dialogue or whatever, but, um, you know, he has limits. Right. But um, I think we recognize that there is, you know, it's it's um, it's like the the Lila Watson, the Aboriginal activist who says, you know, if you've come here to help me, then I don't want your help. But if you've come here because you understand that your liberation is bound up with mine, then, you know, pull up a chair, we'll get to work. Yes. Um, you know, I am constantly in the process of uh, uprooting and extracting all of the white supremacy that I have you know been fed my entire life and Mm -hmm. get every single time I open the computer or leave my house right um it's a lifelong job um and every time I find you know something new to excise I get freer it's I mean it's exactly what you're saying Trey and you know when we think about across communities I mean obviously liberation is a group project and we're you know uh, for I mean, the Jewish community is like racially diverse, right? Fifteen percent of the Jewish community is people of color, you know. For like, so it's but it's not even to say like for the Jewish community to be with, you know, the Black Americans. It's like there are there are Black Jews, right? It's like the Jewish community is, in a, mm-hmm. you know, there are trans Jews, but, but, right. but, but like nuanced. we are like yeah. we are all in this together. Yeah. This is all of yeah. our communities, yeah. and um, like we can all say. We would like to have a safer, freer country, an experience for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. that would that be nice? Yes, that would be nice. You know, I think so. And I think a lot of the people who are racist and, and you know try to pull this dominance thing now would enjoy it on the other side if anybody would let them. You know, stop being so afraid. So, I, well, I was gonna, I was actually going to ask you, Rabbi Danya, if you could just, um, you know, bless the people with some words of encouragement for I, I, I know I, I, I just did this a trade um, a couple of days ago, um, but just as far as um, on forgiveness and uh, for somebody who may be going through the process of healing, and forgiveness is tough, right, mm-hmm. and. Um, maybe that trauma is compounding because of social media and you know life or whatever. Um, if you have something, can can you just you know bless the people with something? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, first of all, um, whoever's out there listening, um, I want to bless you. To remember that. Uh, take a deep breath. And that your healing journey is yours. 
and you own it and you are in charge of it. Nobody else decides but you. And sure, forgiveness can be, um, sometimes it can be a profound letting go and a sort of grace. Sometimes it can be a, a closing accounts and saying, you know what, we're good. You don't owe me anything anymore. We're just going to close this page and consider the matter done. Sometimes it's a matter of, somebody would said, um, wishing that rotten SOB uh, luck and, you know, moving on with your life. And sometimes it's okay to give yourself permission not to forgive, never to forgive. As I read Jewish law, in, in my tradition, you never have to forgive your abuser. You never have to forgive the people who traumatized you. And, you know, as we think about larger systems, I think that matters too. And maybe giving yourself permission to not have to force something can open some space for something to come uh, later on, but maybe step one is healing and maybe that's okay. And you know what? If you heal and you never forgive like that, that's real. And healing is great. And, and I think we put a lot too, more effort, too much emphasis. I think we put too much emphasis on forgiveness and not enough on healing. That's the bottom line. Beloved, on the front burner this week, we got journaling. That's right, it's the practice of sitting down and reflecting, writing stuff down in a notebook. Some people are using apps and stuff, but I'm old school in that way. I keep me a notebook, and every single day I spend some time reflecting, usually at the end of the day, but sometimes in the middle, sometimes when the mood strikes, I just write stuff out. It's helpful for me to give myself an outlet to regularly access and engage the parts of my brain and my thoughts that I may not be paying full attention to throughout the day. And so, each and every day I slow down, ask myself a couple questions like, how did this day sit with you? What are some regrets you have about this day? What were some small wins that happened today that you should take some time to celebrate? What would you like to see enacted tomorrow? And sometimes I don't feel like answering all them questions. The dope thing is I don't have to because ain't nobody making me do it. It's been times when I thought in poetry, so I'll scribble a poem in my journal. Sometimes I don't feel like journaling, so I'll write a journal entry about how I don't feel like journaling. But the practice has really helped me to maintain a sense of discipline. So even after a hard day where I'm nowhere near as productive as I wanted to be, and I didn't tick off the things on my to-do list that I wanted to, I can remind myself that I've been disciplined enough to honor my own goals and intentions through the simple practice of journaling. It's helped me grow a lot, and in therapy, there are times when I know what we need to address and what we need to work on because I've been journaling about it. I need to work on this. So if you're not a journaler, I think you should give it a try because that's what's on the front burner this week. appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of three black men here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you 
Now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men. We have multi-tiered support options. You can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at threeblackmenpodcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason. <laughs>